This season of Sincerely Human is sponsored by the Riley Sway Foundation. Through community-focused programs, Riley Sway inspires teens to lead with empathy and kindness. From connecting student leaders to awarding grants for projects that amplify kindness in local communities, Riley Sway Foundation equips the next generation of leaders with the tools they need to make a positive impact in the world. Please stay tuned for Kindness Calling, our post-script segment featuring the remarkable teens from Riley Sway Foundation. What I am dealing with in Europe, having people on the street shouting, uh, we are afraid of our future, we need to change things now for our future to be greener. This is not about our future. There's millions of people around the world already seeing the consequences of the climate crisis right now. You're listening to Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action from the lens of today's most inspiring humans. I'm Camille Laurente, CEO of Human Group Media and your host. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Anuna de Weaver, a 20-year-old climate activist from Belgium. Anuna credits her interest in climate justice to her parents. They've raised me in a very aware way. And as far as I can remember, we've been talking about human rights and, and global crisis and political institutions and political situations around the world already when I was a kid. And my both my parents are actually activists. When Anuna was 12, her mom took her to a refugee camp in the north of France. That was my first real-life experience with what global inequality looks like and what it means that I am a white, privileged, middle-class person living in Belgium and having many other people around the world that are far less privileged than I am and what that means when it comes to my responsibilities that I have. And so I remember really well walking around in that refugee camp, distributing food and clothes and understanding that I'm hugely privileged and I am also hugely responsible to do something about it. Afterwards, I started talking to everyone about human rights, migration, refugees, why it is that people have to flee their homes. And I started understanding more and more that actually the climate crisis is the biggest human rights crisis that we've ever faced. And so I linked refugees and climate refugees to climate. And from that now, I call myself a climate and human rights activist because for me, it is not just about the emissions in the atmosphere, it is all about uh, humans and what the crisis does to humans. But people from Anuna's school didn't share the same concern. So I've grown up always um, being kind of an outsider because I've always been this person that's like interested in so many things that frankly, quite a lot of young people are not necessarily <laughs> very interested in. And when other people went to go parties on weekends, I would sit at home and read books or I would go to debates or I would... <laughs> think and philosophize about politics and it's a little bit nerdy but it did get me to a point where I really started understanding that my role in this life is not just to live and be happy and live for myself but that it is actually to take responsibility and become an activist because what I hate most in life is ignorance and people that are apathetic and people that uh, are apolitical or feel like they can be apolitical because we all need to understand how the world is run and what our privileges in that are. As a teenager, Anuna became frustrated by Belgium's inaction in addressing the climate crisis. Our government went to COP. Anuna's referring to the United Nations Climate Summit, also known as COP. 
And we were actually one of the two only European countries that didn't sign the High Ambition Coalition at COP. I thought, okay, this is enough, I need to do something. One morning I saw a little cube in the newspaper uh, where it says Swedish activists is striking in front of the parliament. It was a really small thing back then, nobody had heard of it. It was just happening somewhere far away in Sweden. Anuna is talking about Fridays for Future. The movement started by then 15-year-old Greta Thunberg. Greta and other activists sat in front of the Swedish parliament every school day for three weeks, demanding climate action. And I thought this idea is brilliant because the only real leverage that we have as young people is to strike, like unions. And so I decided instead of sitting at the parliament alone, I'm going to try and get as many people as possible to join me. And I made this video with 10 of my friends and they weren't even interested in climate at the time. But I told them this is important for me and you need to be here and and record this video with me. And so I had a few people on screen explaining that they were going to come on the streets with me. And for some reason, that video went viral in Belgium. And then the first strike, there were 3,000 people. And then there were 15,000 and then 35,000 and then 100,000. And it kind of kept growing. And now we're three years later and we've had an immense impact. Soon after, Anuna was invited to the 2019 United Nations Climate Change Conference in Chile. She traveled by sea to attend, but the event was moved to Spain due to political unrest in Chile. Anuna and other activists took this opportunity to visit the Amazon forest. At some point, we were all sitting in a circle and and one indigenous leader, she stands up and she looks me in the eye and she says, you've killed my people. And she starts crying and she was crying because she had cancer and her entire community had cancer because of the intoxication of the Singu River that is basically the roots of what these communities live from in the Amazon forest. And those gold mines that intoxicated those rivers were put there by the Western world. So obviously when she was pointing at me, she wasn't saying I killed her people. She was saying the society you come from, the pillars of the system that you live by have killed our people. And we have preserved this Amazon forest, the lungs of the earth, this world heritage for decades, for centuries. And in less than a hundred years, you've destroyed it. And for me, that was a huge privilege check, but also a reality check in a sense that what I am dealing with in Europe, having people on the street shouting, uh, we are afraid of our future. We need to change things now for our future to be greener. This is not about our future. There's millions of people around the world already seeing the consequences of the climate crisis right now. And for me to be in touch with those people is every single day a huge reality check that this should be the core focus of what the climate movement does. Anuna continues to speak up and acknowledges the responsibility of Western countries like Belgium. Recently, actually, I went to COP myself, and this was not just to put pressure on an international level, but mostly to put pressure on a Belgian level, because we are at the heart of Europe. We are a rich country. We could be doing so much more. We could be a European example of what a system change really looks like. And we have illustrated that by getting together a group of more than a hundred experts on economy, on sociology, on climate, to make a climate action plan specifically targeted for Belgian policy. We gave it to all the political parties, all the party leaders, and they didn't do anything with it. Anuna has a message for leaders that lack the political will. What my message would be to any 
world leader that right now has the power to actually change things structurally and significantly is to understand that injustice, inequality, racism, colonization, exploitation, that those are the core issues of why we are in a climate crisis right now. And that this ideology of capitalism, because it's not regenerative, it's not sustainable, and there are limits, there are limits to growth. And that is, I think, the biggest thing that I would be talking about, because I feel like one of the biggest issues that I'm facing, especially in Belgium, is that obviously there is a lot of white people here. And I really want to connect the issues of, of racism and social justice with the climate crisis, because I feel like for many people, social justice and climate is something completely different. And we are looking about inequality or CO2, but it is one in the same system that is exploiting people. And truthfully, one day, I really hope that all these different movements of Black Lives Matter and queer movements and the climate movements, that they all combine into one strength because they have a gigantic force and they are all fighting the same system. It is going to take kindness and understanding and empathy and tolerance to connect again everyone together to make sure that we understand what we are doing here together. Because this is not a left versus right thing or Democrats versus Republicans. This is about entire humanity understanding that, frankly, we f***ed up. And we are only going to change that if we come together and we start understanding each other's differences, but also understanding what the strength in that is. We need to come together with more kindness and more knowledge and more interest in what everybody else is feeling. And so what I've seen in my personal life is that the people who approach those situations and approach those people with kindness and patience also get more far. And so for me, I am preaching this now, but it's also definitely a learning block because I am aware of this, but it is hard sometimes as, a, as an activist who spends day and nights on these things to be patient and kind. But I think there's no other way that we're gonna get there. Anuna wants to invite you to also join the fight for our climate. I think the most effective thing you can do is be an activist on whatever scale. You don't have to organize strikes, but you can join strikes. You don't have to build a climate movement, but you can join climate movements in order to put pressure on our political system, in order to amplify movements that are already existing. Because frankly, we just have a lack of capacity right now. We need people to take this seriously, to spread the message, to talk to their friends and family, to make people understand why it is necessary that we start changing things. And activism for me and pressuring this system that we are all dependent on is much more valuable than making individual changes. Obviously, I'm also vegan and I, I only wear secondhand clothes or sustainable brands and I don't fly airplanes anymore. But I also understand that my activism and the pressure that I put on this system and the policies that we are changing are going to change much more than what I do on an individual level. And so I celebrate everyone who does that. And I also celebrate everyone who uses that as a snowball effect to make sure that their circles also start changing behavior. Because at the end of the day, we will have to do that. And it is for me a principle of refusing to be a part of this system. But being an activist and deciding to raise your voice and amplify movements that need to be amplified is to me the most sustainable and also the most useful thing that you can do. Anuna says that you can start your climate activist journey by joining the Fridays for Future movement. You can find us and we will definitely welcome you because I know that every climate movement, not just in Belgium, but all around the world, everybody needs help. And we need climate movements and people to speak the truth about what is happening. 
And that is what we'll keep doing in many different ways, in many different actions. So sincerely don't hesitate to join us because you are welcome with open arms. If you want to connect with Anuna, you can find her on social media or go to her website, anunadeweaver.be. In this edition of Kindness Calling, we're excited to feature Maya Barr and Aisha Vela. Maya and Aisha are council members of Riley Sway Foundation. As a council, we recognize how, like many students across the country, are deprived of the opportunity to receive a fair and high-quality education. That's Aisha. She's a senior at the Young Women's Leadership School of Astoria in Queens, New York. And I think for like U.S. schools, they're based around like standardization, and like everyone shares the same goals and expectations in the classroom. But like many students need additional support or extra resources to reach the same standard. And that's something we really wanted to focus on and go more in depth about. And I think we also have a unique perspective because we are students. So we're like students tackling an issue that pertains to students as well. That's Maya. She goes to the Hewitt School in Manhattan. She's also a senior in high school. And we're also Riley's Way students. So that, I think, influences the way that we're looking at educational equity. Riley's Way is really focused on student involvement and student leadership and student-directed change. And so I think we're taught very early on that we have agency and we have control over our voice. And so that's something also that we've applied to our study and to our advocacy for educational equity. Here, Aisha shares what inspired her to pursue this issue. I think as like high schoolers in like the earlier um, months of the pandemic, we transitioned to virtual learning and it kind of like was an eye opener for all of the inequities in education, like the digital divide, how like many students didn't have access to computers or like Wi-Fi in their home. And that negatively affected their schooling and how well they learned and like their academics. And that was something that like was always put in the back of my mind, but was in the forefront during like the early months of the pandemic. Here's how these young women put their advocacy to work. It took the form of three different like mini projects. So for ours, um, one of them was a panel where we invited three different guests, educators, lawyers to discuss educational inequity. And we've invited some students from Hewitt and Tools Astoria to ask them questions just to like have like an in-depth conversation about it. And then we also developed a toolkit, which like had some social media posts and Instagram live on the Riley's Way um, Instagram account. When it comes to social justice, the role that kindness plays might not be so apparent. But it's a lens through which organizations like Riley's Way help students tackle an issue. I went into Riley's Way believing that kindness was a passive thing. And I think that also reflected who I was. Like I was a very diffident kid and just, you know, the shy girl. But then as my understanding of kindness shifted to be one that encompassed leadership and actually valued kindness as essential to leadership and thus progress and social justice. And I think that also relates to empathy and the connection between empathy and social justice. We have to like implement empathy to understand 
how our current reality isn't working for everyone, but also how to advance social justice. Finally, here's Maya's practical advice to young people, or just about anyone who wants to help solve an issue that will shape a better future for everyone. The hardest part is starting. And so making clear exactly what your goal is from this project, from whatever you're trying to do, and then setting actionable steps for yourself that are high reward, but also contribute to something that you see in a broader lens. That's it for Kindness Calling. Thanks again to our podcast sponsor, Riley Sway Foundation. Please don't forget to subscribe to Sincerely Human. We'd also love for you to rate and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Riley Sway empowers young leaders to use kindness and empathy to create meaningful connections and positive change. Apart from the call for kindness, a national competition that awards grants to student-led projects, Riley Sway Foundation also pursues its mission through Riley Sway Councils, which connect public and private high schools to inspire teens to lead with empathy and kindness. They also organize youth leadership retreats that connect young leaders from around the country to create meaningful connections and learn valuable leadership skills with their like-minded peers. To learn more about Riley Sway Foundation, please head on over to rileysway.org. Links are in our show notes.